Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. You know, we love the Bible. It's God's Word. It's all true. And it's all very real. Meaning that it doesn't just depict God's interaction with, with us as if any of us were perfect. God is perfect. And he'll come to earth as Jesus Christ. So, of course, he was perfect and sinless and holy, not so with any of us. Yet that's why Jesus came, to give us the privilege of knowing who God is and seeing what God does. So the Bible is a declaration of who God is, and it's a testimony of what God does. And today, the testimony is going to come through a man named Peter. We're going to find ourselves in a few moments in Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 31, looking at the story of Jesus and Peter. Now, when we first meet Peter in the gospel of Luke early on, what we learn is that he is a businessman. He runs a fishing company. And he has been at that fishing business for who knows how long when Jesus comes by and says to Peter, follow me. And immediately, Peter leaves his business and follows Jesus. At this point in our story, he's been following Jesus for roughly three years as a disciple, as a student of Jesus, learning from him. And as we look at their relationship Today, these men are friends, and as far as Jesus' ministry is concerned, Peter's been there through all of it. Peter has seen Jesus preach, teach, heal, cast out demons, walk on water. Peter's been there for all of it. But today, we're going to hear the testimony of Peter in a profoundly dark moment in his friendship with the Lord Jesus. And the first thing that we're going to learn is that Jesus knows we will fail him. Here's what we read in Luke 22. Beginning at verse 31, Jesus says to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you knew me. Peter's name has been changed. But when we first hear Jesus refer to him in this passage, he calls him Simon. Now, that's his old name. We know him better as Peter. That's because Jesus changed his name. You see, in the, in the Bible, when you pass from non-Christian to Christian or from spiritual death to spiritual life, that change is so dramatic and so drastic that you are a new person, a new creation. 
with a new identity. Because you have now a new Lord with a new heart and new passions and new desires. So sometimes God renames a person to show the magnitude of what it means for them to be born again. Now this even happened in the Old Testament. When people came to faith in God, Abram became Abraham, Jacob became Israel. But through faith in Jesus Christ, Saul becomes Paul, Simon becomes Peter. But notice, as this passage opened, Jesus refers to him as Simon. That's his old name. I think what Peter is supposed to hear in this from the Lord Jesus is, you're going back to your old ways. You're going to think and act in a way that you used to before we met. Now, for how many of you would that be true? There are times in your life when your thinking and your acting are what you used to be, perhaps before you became a Christian and you met Jesus Christ, or before you had a sense of maturity and transformation. Sometimes we, we revert back, and those are disappointing times, right? Sometimes they can be discouraging, depressing times. And sometimes it could be so dark that people even wonder, am I even a Christian? Have I really given my heart to Him? Or have I just been fooling myself and faking it? And Jesus looks at him and says, you're going back to your old ways and you're going to deny me three times. Now, Jesus is God. He knows the future. He's sovereign over it. And here he is predicting, prophesying, anticipating the failure, the denial of Peter. And Peter says, there is no way that I will fail you. You can depend on me. You can count on me. I would go to prison for you. I would die for you. Don't worry about me, Lord. We all need to know that God is fully aware of when we will sin and fail and where and how. He says, Simon, Satan has come to me and has asked to sift you like wheat. In our modern language, that would be like saying Satan has asked to tear you apart. Now, you need to know it's not just you and God. You also have an adversary, an enemy, the devil. He hates God and he hates you. So when things get tough, and you're being tempted and tried, and you, you can't always cast a shadow of judgment on God. Saying, okay, God, where are you? What are you doing? You have to also consider, where's the enemy? And may this be from him. You see, Satan is real. Demons are real. They are created beings as angels who rebelled against God and are responsible for evil and justice and sin. And when we sin, it's as if we are conspiring with them in their war against God. Now, most of us wouldn't want to believe that. And there are going to be some who think, 
if you have any notion of the spiritual realm, it's all good, right? No, there's also evil. And many professing Christians just want to dismiss these parts of the Bible. We don't. Jesus says that Satan is real and we believe Jesus, which means that Satan is also real in your life and in mine. He's our enemy, our adversary, and he's going to come at you, friends, with temptations, and he's going to come at you with accusations. You're a failure. You're unloved. You'll never change. He will also come at you with lies. He is the father of lies. And if you believe his lies, they will destroy you. That's why Jesus said you need to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Furthermore, what Satan would love to do is to throw sins of your past back at you. The sins that you've already apologized for, already found forgiveness for, throw them in your face so that you feel condemned, ashamed, dirty, devastated, hopeless. You need to go to the truth. Here's the truth. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or this truth. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Or more truth, no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Jesus promises that you will fail him, that the enemy will have a victory at your expense. Even the best among us fail him, and Peter is one of the best. He's a disciple of Jesus. In the list of disciples, he's always mentioned first because he's the senior leader. He's the best among us, but even the best among us fail Jesus. Now let me skip ahead in chapter 22 so that you see how the story plays out. Then seizing him, that is Jesus, they led him away, so now he's been arrested, and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. That was number one. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. That's number two. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. In other words, his accent gave him away. Peter replied, man, this is number three, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord 
the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Peter is the best among us, and he fails Jesus. He fails Jesus at Jesus' moment of most desperate need. He's just been arrested. He's nearing his crucifixion by way of execution. Peter is his friend. Peter is his disciple. Peter is one of the three of the closest of Jesus' friends. I mean, he was there on that mountain. And Elijah and Moses came from heaven and had a meeting with Jesus. Now, at this very moment, Peter is not suffering. He's not even facing certain suffering. Maybe he's facing possible, potential suffering. But the first person to try to identify Peter was a servant girl who was absolutely powerless. You see, in that culture, a woman was powerless. A young woman, even more powerless. A young servant woman, the most powerless. She has no authority. Besides, it wasn't illegal for him to be a follower of Jesus. We could look at Peter and say, that is so shameful. And how many of us did it last week or last month? Someone bad-mouthing Christianity, and we're not going to say a word because if I say something about Jesus, someone might not like it, and it'll have negative consequences for me. Peter was the first man to confess, Jesus, you are the Christ. And now, I've never met him. I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus knows who will fail him. And even the best among us fail him. You have failed him. I have failed him. How do you feel about that fact? Here's how Peter felt. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Have you had that day? Peter is a grown man. Grown men are not prone to cry a lot. But when confronted with the depth of their sin, it is a righteous thing for a man to be broken. Peter here, if you could just picture, he had just denied him. I don't know Jesus. There he is, looking me in the eye. He just heard everything that I've said. And he's about to suffer. And I denied him. I could just see Peter's face in his hands just weeping, just, just uncontrollably sobbing. What have I done? What, what have I failed to do? Have you had that moment? You said something, and as, as it just comes out of your mouth, you saw it absolutely destroy the one you said it to, and there's no taking it back. How many of you have had that moment? You sinned. You did it. 
the thing you said you'd never do, or the thing you said you'd never do again, and it hits you, and the Holy Spirit reveals all of this to you. You feel ashamed and embarrassed. This is Peter demonstrating repentance. He went outside and wept bitterly. If there's any good news in this account, it is that Peter didn't wait long to repent. For some of you, it's been too long. And your heart has grown cold and hard. And you haven't been wanting to look into the face of Jesus to see your own sin. Let this be the day that that all changes. The best among us have failed. And Peter failed miserably. He failed publicly. And if this is all we had in the Bible, if this were where the story ended, it would be completely devastating, utterly depressing. But the reason it's so dark is all we've talked about is Peter and us. We have yet to talk about Jesus. What's he going to do? That brings us to this glorious point. Jesus fails no one. Peter failed Jesus. You and I fail Jesus. Does Jesus fail Peter? No. Does Jesus fail you and me? No. 2 Timothy 2.13 says it this way. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. That's the essence of Christianity. Even though we're faithless, He's faithful. You know what holds your relationship and my relationship and Peter's relationship to Jesus? You know what holds that together? Faithfulness. But it's not from us. It's from Him. So what's Jesus going to do? Well, I'll tell you what He's going to do. He's going to go to the cross. I mean, at this point, He's only hours away from the cross. Jesus is arrested. Peter denies Him. Jesus goes to the cross where He suffers and dies. Our God becomes a man. He doesn't sin. We deny Him. He does not deny us. We are faithless. He is faithful. Peter should have gone to the cross and died. Jesus should have been set free. Jesus had not sinned, but Peter had. So what does Jesus do? He goes to the cross. He's beaten, mocked, flogged, sent through a series of false trials. He is absolutely brutalized beyond recognition. Railroad ties and spikes are used to crucify God in the most sensitive nerve system places in the human body. God suffers, God bleeds, God dies for his friend Peter. The death that Peter should have died, Jesus dies. And Jesus is on the cross and he says things like, Father, Forgive them. 
He can say that because he's about to pay the, the penalty for sin, which means he makes that prayer able to be answered. The prayer for forgiveness. And then he cries in a loud, triumphant voice, It is finished. Three days later, Jesus rises from death, conquering sin and death. And the word gets out, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and they run to the tomb. And who is the first person that runs all the way in and wants to see for himself? Peter. <laughs> you know what that is? That's good news. The good news is what Jesus does. He's a good God and Savior who died and rose to give good news. And that good news involves the fact that we have failed God, but God fails none of His children. That's good news. So if you're here today and you say, you know, I used to be a Christian, but I, I just don't know where I'm at today. I failed God so many times in so many ways. He can't take me back. Some of you might even ask, have I lost my salvation? That's the wrong question. You can't lose your, your salvation. The question is not, have you lost your salvation? The question is, has Jesus lost a Christian? You say, but you don't, you don't know how faithless I've been. Yeah, but he remains faithful. Jesus forgives sinners. Jesus pursues sinners. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus changes sinners. Friends, it doesn't matter what you've done. You are not beyond the good news. So I have complete hope for you. Not in you, but for you. You can depend on Jesus, especially when you failed him, because Jesus fails no one. And that's amazing. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.